of the Lord Jesus. Appreciate those who are running against cancer, but I'm running against sin. And I got to win the race. And nothing shall hinder me from the running in this race. Praise ye the Lord. Amen. I believe we can win the race if we can keep pace. Chapter 15 of the book of Mark. We're glad you're in the house. This is the Tabernacle of Praise, Pentecostal Church. Pentecost being the day when God poured the Holy Ghost, and the Tabernacle being the place of dwelling, and church being the body of Christ. That's who we are. Praise ye the Lord. Verse 44. And Pilate marveled if he were already dead, Jesus Christ. And calling unto him the centurion, he asked him whether he had been any while dead. And when he knew it of the centurion, he gave the body to Joseph. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for those who come to your house to hear and worship you and hear your word. Now, Lord, we need your anointing, your directing on this message today. When I leave here, I want to feel fulfilled. I want everyone to leave different than the way they came. God, with greater commitment, we ask in the name of Jesus, we give you the praise. May the Lord bless you real good and may be seated. My title is The coroner's report the coroner's report now the job of a coroner is to give a reason why the person died what time they died and how they died and even the circumstance behind that person's deceased and so that is that's a very difficult job because you may not be there when the event took place, but it's after the fact. The court of law cannot have a trial where there's a homicide or suicide or murder, or what the case might be. They've got to find out why and how this person died. As a pastor, I cannot bury anybody without getting a burial certificate. And that burial certificate, I've got to specify how that person died, why they died. Otherwise, I cannot bury them. They want to know who is in that coffin and by what reason they're in that coffin. And it has to be sealed by a coroner's report. The doctor himself can't even be the one that we go by. It's the coroner's report that we go by. And here we have Pilate, who must have seen hundreds and thousands of death on the cross. Because I don't think there's much difference between Isis and Pilate. I think they're both bloodthirsty groups, and Pilate is used to crucifying people. And it's a horrible death to die, to be crucified. Hung there for days or for months or whatever he chose to do with a person after tremendous whipping and beating and Pilate knows that they are always going to be corpse up there so Pilate why is Pilate surprised at the speed of death 
of Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to talk to you about. Why was Pilate amazed? Never have Pilate ever seen anyone died so quickly. You must understand that Jesus was not some weak, shimmy guy. I mean, he was a strong, real human. He's not like the pictures they show on the wall. This effeminate person they call Jesus with long, stringy hair looking like a girl. That's not Jesus. No, no, no. My Jesus was strong, powerful, and we've been to Jerusalem, and we saw where he was born in Nazareth, and we looked at Nazareth as very hilly. I was challenged walking up those slopes. I got tired. I got to sit down a few times. And then the Mount of Temptation is very, very, very high. I could not walk it up. I wouldn't want to walk it up. I wouldn't even try to walk it up. I was content just to take a picture of it. But just because they drove me up there, I went up there. And when I stood there and looked down, I thought, Oh, my Lord, get me down quick. It's a precipice. It's a fall. I mean, you can view the whole land. It was a high, high place. So Jesus must have been a strong, athletic person. Physically fit without steroids. I mean, Jesus was healthy. And then you go to Jerusalem and all the places he's been. I mean, walk. You talk about walk. Jesus was a walker. He was a mountain climber. He climbed mountains often. Hills often. If you want to see Jesus Christ, go up on the mountain. He's not in the plain. He's up on the mountain. Up on the Mount of Olives. Upon the mountain, and he gave the beatitude. He's always going up these mountains, just like Moses. Amen. He had to be up on the mountain. So you you can't be a weak-hearted person to climb those mountains. You will not last. So he's strong. And Pilate was just as young as Jesus was, and he realized he's not dealing with a weak. This is a strong guy you're dealing with. Pilate knew he's strong, and tenacious, and powerful, and muscular. So Jesus was not a weakling. He's a muscular, strong figure of a person. And so Pilate is taking all that into consideration and knows that on the cross, you're supposed to take a long time to die. That's the whole purpose of the cross. It's a very slow, methodical death. They want you to feel the pain. It's supposed to be a deterrent to anybody who wants to go contrary to Caesar when you look on that cross, it says, I don't want to be under that situation. That's what Caesar is trying to do. Trying to knock people's head off so they'll be scared of them, right? And so nobody wants to go on the cross. But Jesus, fate was going to be a cross. Along with two more thieves. Amen. And Barabbas is in the debt row waiting to go on there himself. And so they chose uh, Barabbas over Jesus. Now, you have to understand, Jesus walked approximately 2.5 miles with his cross to the place where he was to be crucified. Two and a half miles. That's more than I'm willing to walk on a normal circumstance. If they try to make me walk that distance because they crucified me, they might as well count me dead at, at start point. <laughs> I'm just not going to make it. Walking that distance, a huff and puff. I've gone shopping with my wife, and she can just tire me out. I just gotta find a bench somewhere, sit down. I mean, I plan next time to carry me a little stroller, 
I can sit on there? Because <laughs> I cannot take the enduring that involved in that long walk. It's very painful. I don't know, ladies, I don't know how you do it. Gotta give them a hand clap for that. They're awesome. I mean, they can march through that, that shopping mall for hours and never sweat, never get tired. I don't know how they do it, but I know I can't do it. And I thought, I'm not the only husband. I saw a whole lot sitting there like I was. <laughs> so, and we, we chuckled together and said, yeah, uh-huh, we know what's going on. Some even carry a book. But Jesus had just suffered six different trials of injustice. Jesus had just gone through a prayer meeting where his sweat was like drops of blood. The disciples said, sorry, Lord, we love you, but not that, that much. We want to sleep. And they slept on Jesus while he tried to pray. When he came back, they were snoring. He said, all right, carry on. It's over. They arrested Jesus. They slapped him around a few times and grabbed him. Well, Peter, like normal impetuous, pulled his sword, swung with everything he got, and missed and cut an ear off. Church, that's pretty close for my club. That's pretty close. The guy put his sword up to your head and you duck and ears came off. And Jesus took time and picked it up and put it back on and destroyed the evidence of what Peter just did. They couldn't prove it. If they could, they'd arrested him. Then Peter said, All right, Jesus, if I can't defend you with a sword, you're on your own. Bye. And took off and left him there. And so Jesus was drawn through several night trials and day trials. And we understand that he endured over 360 stripes on his back, on his body. Crowns of thorns, thorns six or seven inches long, pressed in his brow. Amen. Nailed five times in his hands, in his feet, at least four and denied the thirst drink. Jesus went through all that. We read also that Jesus was stripped totally naked as the day he was born. He was humiliated, not to mention the mockery and the spittle on him. And after all that, put him vertically in a position to die where he can hardly breathe and they want him to suffer the maximum to suffer. Now, usually if a person don't die fast enough, the soldiers would come and take a big old sledgehammer and shock you in the knee and make sure you die. And then pull your body down and throw it to the carcass. I mean to the, to the vultures. Or in a grave. So, the Bible says that when the soldiers came and they want to look and see if they were all alive or dead because the, the Jews were, were pressing them to get rid of Jesus, make sure he dies. The Bible said, when they looked at the, at the men that were thieves, they were still yet alive. But not Jesus. Jesus died long before they did. And Pilate knows that something is strange happening here. Because the soldier didn't have to break his legs at all. So as to make sure he died and get away, if they take his body down, they stick him on the side. So a 
want to make sure you, you die for sure. Bang! They stuck him in the side. And instantly, blood and water came from his side. And they saw that. And from six, amen, to ninth hour, Jesus was on that cross. And so Joseph Arimathea said, I want that body. Give me that body. And he demanded. The Jews said, no, 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 no. Let's seal it. Joseph said, no, I want that body. So he got it. But before I get it, is he dead? He said, yes, he's dead. Are you sure he's dead? Yes, he's dead. Well, I want to report. So he went to the, he went to the soldier and said, look, go and make sure he dies. He said, look, sir, he's dead. And Pilate marveled that Jesus was dead that quickly. He couldn't understand why this strong character of a man would so quickly decease. But what was it that killed Jesus? Was it the stripes? Was it the crown of thorns on his brow? Was it the spear in his side? Was it the nails in his hands or his feet? Or was he starved from not getting a drink? What was it that killed Jesus? And so the coroner's report could not define why he died. All they could said was, he's dead. Pilate shocked, marveled. And why did Jesus die so fast? I want to talk to you about that. I believe Jesus died from a broken heart. The greatest pain anybody in this building can ever experience is not a sprained ankle or a broken knee or a damaged lung or even lost an eye. The greatest, greatest pain and suffering you could ever go through is a broken heart. To have your heart broken is not easily, easily, easily recognized by a coroner's report. They may give you other reasons, but a broken heart is so it is so different from all others. Your heart is the place of the issue of life. The heart is the center and the seat of affection. What was it that destroyed the life of Jesus so quickly? It was more painful than any physical pain that he could ever have. It was betrayal. There was no witness. I'm going to tell you this morning, to be, to be betrayed is worse than being slapped in the face. It's the hardest pain to bear. Now, he knew at the beginning that Judas would betray him. He knew that. That did not surprise them. But something else surprised them. Six times he was tried, and what could not be found was one witness to stand in his defense and said, I know this man, and that's not what he is, what they said about him. Jesus was deeply hurt, not by the stripes, not by the thorns, 
not by the nails as he was hurt by the people that he loved the most deserted him at the most crucial time in his life they tell me in the court of law the greatest person in the court of law is not the prosecutor it's not the lawyer it's not the judge it is a witness they will pay in Canada any amount of money to fly a witness from any parts around the world to bring him in that courthouse there can be no trial without a witness you got to bring a witness and the most terrible thing can happen to a court case for innocent person is for a witness in their defense not show up or the witness got corrupted to be denied witness is the most horrible experience you ever have you could be denied a job a home a lot of things but one thing you do not want to have denied to you to set you free is a witness that witness is very very important God knows the importance of witnessing all through the Old Testament he tells Israel you are my witness is there a God beside me every time God is in a crisis amen concerning his deity and concerning is who he is and his righteous living he would said I got to have a witness I have no witness betrayal brings broken hearts betrayal bring emotional pain betrayal it's the only way to mental cruelty. It brings psychological pain. It's worse than a physical wound. It's worse than any other experience you can go through. Rejection by somebody that you love. That can give you a deep-seated hurt. That can scar your life. And a coroner couldn't find it. A psychologist can't show it. A doctor can't show it because it's the heart that is broken. That's why the Bible teaches that, baby, before you fall in love and get involved with people, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it is the issue of life. He knew that Judas would betray him and sold him. That didn't bother him. But what bothered Jesus the most? was the denial of the witnesses that should step forward and confess I know him they deserted him he was disowned Jesus on the cross looking down wondering where are my witnesses why am I forgotten by my best friends my closest bosom friend you see you can always put a band-aid on a broken leg but you can't put it on a broken heart. You just cannot do it at all. And my question was, where were those that he had healed? Where were those that he had blessed and fed the thousand? I thought to myself, Thomas, where are you when Jesus now needs you the most? You said you'd go die for him. Somehow you're not keeping your vow. Somehow you have betrayed your vow. 
You have broken your vow. You have betrayed that trust. You have betrayed that love scenery. Jesus Christ said, Peter, lovest thou me three times. Why? Because three times Peter let him down. And he wanted to know, are you going to do it one more time again? Or Peter, was that the last time and the first time that you're going to deny me? And he said, Peter, where are you when I need you the most? I tell where Peter was. He was in the wrong place. He was among the wrong crowd. Hello? See, dedication requires separation. No man can love two masters. Jesus' death was not because of the cross. It was that the people he loved the most deserted him when they were needed the most. I thought to myself, why didn't blind Bartholomew showed up and talk about the healing that God did for him? What about the woman caught in adultery? She lived an extended life. She'd have been dead in her grave. Jesus spared her. Amen. And turned things around for her. Where's the lame man by the pool that said, Nobody cared for my soul. Nobody would put me in the pool. And Jesus walked there just for him. I thought to myself, Why didn't the demoniac show up? What about Jairus who had his daughter? Amen. Restored to him. Where was Lazarus who was brought from the dead? Where was the woman with the issue of blood? Where were the nine lepers and the ten lepers? Where were they all? When Jesus was on trial. And they were not there to say a word. It's a horrible thing to take back what God is looking for. Which is your confession. That I know Him. Paul said to Timothy, If you deny Him, He will deny you. What is saying? If you deny the witness for Him, He has to do the same back to you when He stands before the angel. I ask myself the question, Where was Nathaniel who said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God? Why did He not show up? You see, Jesus waited. He kept His mouth close because most time in a trial it's always best for the accused not to take the stand the accused must depend on the witnesses to go up there and speak and Jesus waited and nobody showed up to help him not one person and my question is what caused the death of Jesus the lack of witnesses he was on trial and nobody was there to stand with them can you worship the Lord right now it was not the thorns of his brow that hurts him he was not the soldiers mockery that hurts him the most you see to be let on by somebody that you love and trust and care for. And for them to turn on you and cause you grief and anguish, it's more significant than if anybody else had done it. And at least, at least, somebody that I healed should have stepped forward and said something. At least somebody who I fed when they were hungry should have stepped forward and said something. Somebody whose eyes were open should have been there to speak up. He says, I know this man. 
you got the wrong man. Some must have been there. So, oh, he saved me from being stoned. He, when the Pharisees said I was condemned, he brought liberty to me. I'm asking the question, where are the witnesses that will stand when everybody, amen, is jeering and mocking and making fool of the Christ? Where are his witnesses? Not one step forward. And Jesus looked down. He wasn't worried about those thieves that were mocking him. But I hear a voice that I never heard among God's people. I found the scripture of Pilate's wife. She said to her husband, Do not touch that righteous man. From the most unlikely source, Hallelujah. Somebody whispered in the ear of Pilate, This man is different. This is not an ordinary guy. Don't touch him. Amen. Now you know Pilate did not listen to her. History said by Josephus that Pilate died washing his hands. Friend, you can't wash away your conscience. When you know you've done wrong and you cause broken hearts, and you cause emotional pain and mental cruelty and psychological upheaval. And when you brought the worst to a person that loves you and cares for you, you can't wash this away that easy. It's hard. Amen. Hallelujah. And that's why Jesus had to come back to the disciples and said, I'm going to give you one more chance to betray me. Or one more chance to confess me. Conscience is something you go to sleep with. And the question was, why did Jesus die? It was not his name. A heart attack is a terrible thing. It don't give it a chance to get remedy. It's instant. Amen. Very few people survive a heart attack. I don't think Jesus had a heart attack, but I believe he gave up the ghost. He says, this is more than I can bear. Now my question to you is, are we going to deny Him today? Are we going to stand here and hear His reputation rubbed in the ground and we keep silent? It's the terrible thing, amen, for a weakness not to testify. Satan has got some of us to the place we are ashamed to be a witness for God. We do not want people to know that we are one of them. We're ashamed to talk in tongues. We're ashamed to raise our hands. We're ashamed to shout hallelujah. We don't want to look fanatical. We don't want to look strange. We don't want people to think we're cuckoo. But oh, where are the weaknesses? Where are the people that have been baptized with truth and said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it's the power of God out of salvation. Will there be another Calvary? Hallelujah. There's something about Jesus. Paul says, this guy shouldn't have died that quickly. Nothing I did to him caused him to die that quickly. He died from a broken heart. Every woman knows, amen, 
the worst thing in any marriage or any relationship. Amen. Even the husband may be very abusive with his hands or starve them for money and all that stuff. But the greatest pain in any relationship is the heartbreak. You can't fix it in the court. You can't fix it by washing your hands. It's deep-seated. It can make people go mental. It's the most excruciating pain to experience denial, rejection, betrayal. It leads to a broken heart. Its pain is worse than a physical pain. Sometimes people in, in relationship wish they were shot with a gun than being treated the way they've been treated because it hurts so much. You can't utter it in words. You can't describe the pain that's you feeling and nobody can relate to it because a heartbreak and that discomfort can only be experienced by having your own experience. And so you'll never understand how Jesus Christ felt when he was on the cross and looked down and saw in the crowd and looked at some people. I know you. I healed you before. I know you're a leper. I brought you back to your family. Hey, I brought recovery to you. Uh, I hear you crying away with me, but I, I fed you when the 5,000 eat some bread. I could see you back. Hey, look at that guy over there by the pool. I, I helped him at Siloam. Hey, I can recognize you as one of those that I touch and love so much. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And here you're crying away with him. Amen. We've heard of spousal abuse and child abuse and senior abuse, but there's no greater abuse than denying him. There's no greater hurt than forgetting him. There's no greater hurt than being unthankful to God and to forsake him. Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ needs somebody today to stand up in our world who's putting him on the trial of public opinion and said, I'm one of them. Praise God. I'm one of them. And I'm not ashamed to say it. He's done me nothing but good. It may not be popular, but it's correct that I should praise him. Oh, hallelujah. It's so sad in betrayal. The things you want love. Now, it's the greatest hate is when love turns hates. If there's anybody that should hate us, it should be Jesus Christ. Anybody that should hate the Jews should have been Jesus Christ. Because I said, away with him. He's not our king. Caesar is our king. That's what he said. I remember a story was told about this woman who had, in fact, there are two stories in similar nature. This woman who had rescued her daughter from, amen, uh, a fire. And her beauty disappeared in the fire. And now all she has is a scar face. But a beautiful daughter that was so precious and good looking and famous at college. And, and she went to the graduation to see her daughter. And they said to her daughter, an old beggar is out there trying to talk to you. A panhandler. Will you please dismiss her trying to go home? The girl looked through the window and said, No, you don't understand. She became, amen, hurt that I may be clean and good looking. Her beauty, she lost it over me. And what I have is because of her scars. 
Her scarf talked about my beauty. Amen. That's what Jesus Christ wanted from us. Somebody, amen, to look at those scars that he has on his brows. It was for me. He died. It was no sin of his own. He was not a criminal. He committed no crime. But for me, he was nailed to the cross. For my cause, he was bruised. Amen. And I got a right to tell him in the workplace, I know him. Amen. To tell the politicians, I know him. Amen. To tell my friends, I'm not ashamed of that church. Hallelujah. I've seen kids sometimes they're ashamed of their parents coming to their school. Almost to the point where I deny them. Why did she come? Why did she come? Why did he come? They're hiding. Don't want you to show up at their classroom. They're ashamed. But they forgot one thing. The mom kid said, I had nine months of discomfort because of you. Hallelujah. That dad could say, I work in several shifts because of you. Amen. And what I went through brought you where you are. And you should be thankful. I said, that's my daddy. That's my mama. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to tell you, Jesus was concerned that the apostles were ashamed to witness for him. And to testify about him. And to give him a statement that could say at least somebody believed in him. I don't know about you, but if you live long enough, you're going to find something going to hurt you one of these days. And the people that you love the most hurt the deepest. Amen. God loved man. And yet man took side with the devil against the Christ child. I wonder, why is it there's some people in church are so intimidated to get up and testify and give a testimony? When the devil has a big old weight on us. Why can't we be a fool for Christ? Why should he suffer? Amen. The lack of witness. Why you sit down and say nothing? Well, I, I, I'm sure I'm candid. Get somebody else. No, 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 no. He bless you. Oh, give praise unto the Lord. Oh, that men would give thanks unto the Lord for His goodness and His mercy. Well, well sorry, I, I, I can't teach about him. I don't know enough about him. That's not true. You just don't want to testify about him. You just want to be identified with him. You're ashamed of what you believe. You're ashamed of where you belong and who's your God. But somebody could have stopped breaking the heart of God. Hallelujah. I wonder how my wife would feel if one day, you know, I, I, I was thinking driving down the road. I was driving down the road, and I saw a lady by there, and I thought, my wife was driving in my car. I said, what would my wife think if I was to stop right now and just pick her up? And I said, what would, she, what would she do with her car? I think she would track me down. She'd drive right behind me and break all the speed limit. That's where I'm going. Hallelujah. And the first one that comes to her mind is, is he betraying me? A toothache is more bearable than betrayal. I say, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To be denied the weakness and the testimony. I can't sit there and act like I don't know him. I can't 
carry on as if uh, you know like kids. Kids, kids will see you in the bank. You go to the bank, and please, if you don't, if you're ashamed of this church and the gospel, don't let the kids that you teach in school see you in the bank. Because I promise you, they're gonna cry out, "Hi, Sister Neil." Pastor Neil! Everybody look around, they don't care. They're unashamed. And if you and I go in the bank, we can't say, Praise the Lord! Hi, how you doing? We can't say, Hi, Brother brother Neil or Sister Neil. Hi, Phil. We don't want anybody to know that I know you. Hello? It's denial of brotherhood. It's denial that you belong to that church. It's denial that you know him. I'm going to tell somebody it broke the heart of Jesus. Let's worship the Lord. And ask the question, where were those that God was good to? Well, Pastor D. I just, I just can't get up and do that, you know. That's not me. Well, it's not him either to come down here and do what he's doing. God took a risk identifying with you and me. Angels saw what he did and asked the question, Lord, what is man that you would identify with them? Hallelujah. You're so high and mighty and lofty. Hallelujah. When Jesus came back from the dead, they were all embarrassed. You know why they were? They rejected him. Reconciliation is not easy. I said, don't even get in that place where you need reconciliation. Because it's not easy. Because there can be no reconciliation without forgiveness, without merit. Mm. And when Jesus came from the dead, he had no right or any demand on him whereby he should forgive Israel or Peter. And when they, when conscience struck them and they couldn't face them, you're the first person he asked for? The one who said, I don't know him. I don't know that man blank, 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 blank. I want to show you something, my friend. Brother Marlon, bring those two girls with you. Yeah, Jesus did that. Bring your daughter to you. Bring your daughter with you. Now, I want you to play a role for me right now, please. I want you to imagine, right? You married to her. Right? I miss you, your daughter. I know that. You're married to her. She's going to be your wife for a moment here. Right? Right? And can you imagine, right? You run off with her. Right? And she caught you with her. Can you imagine the pain? 
Can you imagine the pain? The hurt? It's worse than if you were slapped in the face. Hello? And then, come here, girl. For you to turn around and forgive him who's a rascal. And not, I know your dad, don't worry about it. <laughs> don't you just, where you go, don't say that. You spank. You go away. Disappear. Disappear. Oftentimes it happens. The one they ran away with desert them when they're sick. Desert them when they're at their lowest life level. And the person that have to help them is the one whose heart they betrayed and broken. It's going to take a lot of Yahweh Jehovah Jireh Jehovah Shalom and a whole lot to forgive him because he's in no state where you need him. But you got to be empathic. And that's what Jesus did. When he came back from the dead, hello, Israel, who claimed Rome and Caesar as their king, in 70 A.D. was about to burn down her house, destroy her temple, destroyed everything that you gave him. Hello? And leave them orphans. And yet, love lifted him up. Pick him up by the hand. It's not your conscience. It's got to be his conscience. Hallelujah. And the only way he can get over this is if he have the spirit of that prodigal son. That can say, Father, I have sinned against you. And I don't have no merit in me where I can earn the love that you have now offered me. But if you can't, and to hear him say, her saying, never mind the confession. Amen. I'm going to give you reconciliation without merit. It says, not of works that we have done, but by the grace. Grace means unmerited favor. He said, where is Peter? The one that said, I don't know him. He said, go tell Peter, I'll meet him. I'll meet him. Hallelujah. You're going to take her spirit reconciliation to bring him back into the picture. Because she denied him. I mean, he denied her. Sorry. Amen. The weakness. Amen. Faithfulness. Nothing is more harmful and hurtful than trust broken. Trust betrayed. It broke the heart of Jesus. That his friends 
his best buddies didn't show up. Never mind those he healed. I don't know if you've been through that in life. You don't want to go there, but I've been there in my lifetime. Or I've been there before, not in a relationship, but in the ministry. And it shocked the life out of me. Could not believe that what I see and what I'm hearing is possible. It's hard. Was it David that said, if it was an enemy I'd done it, I could have bear it. But somebody that I love with deep-seated love and devotion and cared for have wounded me so deep that my heart breaks. And that's why blood and water came out of his side. Now church, listen to me. We're in the last days. I don't understand why Eve would not trust God and have more confidence with the devil than she have with the master. Hello? The Garden of Eden, who made it? Who made the Garden of Eden? God. Who created those people? God. Who planted the trees? God. Who loved them the most? God. Then where does this stranger come from? To come in to steal the heart of Adam and Eve from God. And yet we find they were not afraid of the serpent, but they were afraid of the one that loved them the most. They didn't hide from the serpent, but they're hiding from the one that loved them the most. And Jesus couldn't find one witness. Because you know what happened? Peter was hiding behind the enemy fire. It could happen to McMurray. I don't know about you. But I pray every day. I ask God every day. God, do not let me betray you. You give me a sacred trust I don't deserve. I said, God, I drove in this city with God. I want to leave with God when I can leave this city. I said, God, you've been good to me beyond measure. And I don't deserve nothing you've done. And the least I can do is stand up and be a witness. And tell somebody. He said, don't hide it from your children, children. Tell them what the Lord has done. Don't bear it under a bushel. Tell, tell somebody. Share Jesus Christ. Come on. Paul says, I've got to be stirred. He was in Athens. And the Bible said he saw idolatry. And then he, he could easily hide as an apostle. But when he saw the city given over to idolatry, he had to. He had to. He had to say something. He knew that it cost him problems. But he did say something. He said, look, let me declare Jesus to you. You know what they call him? A babbler. 
He went to Ephesus. You know, he caused a riot. But church, I'm telling you, which is worse? Denying Jesus? And have to live with that emotional pain? Or testifying? Before I close, I want to ask you right now, how many of you are really representing Him in this city? How many of you know, your friend knows that you know this message? How many people on your job know that you know the plan of salvation? How many of them know that you attend that little church down the road that everybody thinks is a cult? How many really know that you know that? When I first got saved in 1972, I was in my 20s. You're not. Hallelujah. I've been saved almost 40 years now. When I came to church, the first thing I did, the first Bible I had was given to me. I bought me a brown paper bag and I hid it. Can you imagine my my wife and I went to a conference. Come here, honey. Let's say I have a crush on Sister Kim. And I, 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 I don't want her to know that. My wife to know that, right? And I asked Sister Kim to come there. And I walk like this. And I, and I said, look, I want you to meet. I don't, I don't say my wife. Hello? I don't introduce her as my wife. I said, she's a friend. Because I don't want you to know I am taken. How many of you, the devil, know that you're taken? How many of you, the devil, know that you belong to one espoused husband? So I introduced you that way because I don't even know that I'm married to her. Okay, honey, go have coffee. Go, bye bye. I watched this guy. I I'm going to tell you more about him, but I want to say this much. I watched him at this situation here, and he was more flirty with this girl than his own wife. You think Jesus don't get offended when we play footsie with the devil? And we are open to the devil, and we can stomp our feet when rock music plays, but we can't lift our hand when the gospel of songs comes? You think God don't get excited and get mad at us? Amen. When we can give more glory to the devil than we can to God. We can come alive with, with world situations, but never with God the things. And God said, where are the witnesses? Where are the Does anybody know that you're a Christian anyway? Islam today are putting people on trial. And I was dreaming... What it really means, God said, when I told people, I put before you two doors. Life and death. There are religions of death today. And there are religions of life. Which one have you chosen? Now, folks, you think God's pleased? I went to visit a lady one time in the hospital. This that really happened. And I knew she was not for me. She used to not the way I preach. And so she was deathly sick. 
Rightly so. So I could pray for her. And I went to pray for her. And she closed her eyes like this. And she was listening. It happened to me twice now. Once here and once in Athabasca. Close her eyes like this. She wouldn't listen to me at all. She just, she's playing dead. She's in a deep sleep. And then this other preacher walked in there. I didn't know she was playing footsie with other preachers. So we both met right there. She opened her eyes when she heard that Reverend so-and-so was there. And she used how she introduced me to him. She says, Pastor so-and-so, this is Trevor Neal. I thought, you wretch, you devil. God will fix you. Denial. Betrayal. Paul says, they were not ashamed of me of my bonds. But others were. All of Asia what? Forsook me. Oh. And I thought to myself, mm, that's not the end of the story. I was in Toronto at a conference preaching. And that beautiful dude showed up. And everyone was shaking my hand and talking nice to me. And she forgot that I know her. And they don't know that she knows me. And I know her. And she comes. And I line up. She stretched her hand like this. To shake my hand. And she felt like she dropped like Goliath before David. And hit her head on that pew so hard she was knocked out. There was no great power in me. It was the God was saying, you are a hypocrite. A hypocrite is someone with a two-faced. Hello. A two-faced person is somebody you don't know whether they really love you or don't love you. They're chameleon. Jesus will not let you play footsie with him. Before I close, when the Lord comes, in the book of Revelation, they're hanging around Balaam, and Balak and they're denying his name it's another Calvary it's another crucifixion here is that woman called Laodicea I have need of nothing and, and while she's saying that he's on the outside Laodicea in the book of Acts was a Jesus named church when did they kick him out? I can see him digging too deep. But the Lord said, Peter, I'm going to give you one more chance. Do you love me more than these? I don't care how many girlfriend you have, how many boyfriend you have. Once you get married, dedication means separation. You cannot be in love with two people. You can't be in love with God and the devil. You can't have two husbands or two wives. It just won't work. Hello? Man, you've gone pretty quiet on me now.
You're going to love one and hate the other or discern one and treat them better than the other. But it can't be the same. And Jesus said, Peter, do you love me more than these? Or will you deny me one more time? I have never taken my pastor's preaching secondary to any radio evangelist. Never. Never let a TV guy tell, my, tell me that my pastor doesn't know what he's talking about. He's not my shepherd. God didn't talk to him to me. Because it's another way of denying God. My wife and I went this chap off down Edmonton off the main highway. We all bring folks to our home and we witness to them. And he got converted, baptized in Jesus' name. And he got mixed up with a group who pulled him off to the side. In fact, they were called by a name, I don't want to call it, to advertise their name. And he told me this story. I was Brother Neil, then I was the pastor. He says, I was going to that place. You guys didn't know it, but I'm going there all the time. And he said, this time I'm going to church. And I came to a crossroad. In that crossroad, I had to decide... Where am I going to go to church? He said, where, where did I go to church? He said, and, and when he said that, he said, my car did this. This is what he said to me. He said, my car literally turned towards the church. And here's how I know we got the truth. The man of God preached a message that was right on. I didn't talk to the preacher. Why would I tell him? I don't tell nothing. <laughs> He's my friend. Today, He's messed up. He's messed up. David was doing good. So he started added wives to wives. And then a spirit hit him. And that spirit got into his house of immorality. Because you see, dedication and devotion call for separation. And as long as Peter's by that fire, he's not separated. He's in the wrong crowd. With the wrong people. Doing the wrong thing. And now Jesus Christ comes from the dead and put him aside one more time and said, now, Peter! He said, yes, Lord. You know, really just, yes, Lord. Do you love me? He said, oh, yes, I do. Until one, one, one husband told his wife. The wife said, honey, you always tell me you love me. Before you marry me. And now you marry me, you stop telling me you love me. The, the months gone by, the years gone by, and you haven't told me you love me anymore. What's wrong? He said, Look, honey, I told you once at the wedding, and when I tell him, I let you know. You see what happened? It's like driving down a street in a car. When you're courting, you're so close together like this. Like, come here, sister, stand up, please. We're so close like this. We're driving. I mean, I mean, you don't know who's driving the car. Amen. I mean, you talk about interference. Give us a ticket. My God, you, we can't. Is, is this driving? I'm driving the car. And then after a while, she's by the door, and we're all over here. 
We treat Jesus the same way. We're the same thing with Jesus. When we first started, and now, no butter on the bread. We don't want it. Well, oh, we don't have time. I pray, Jesus. We don't have time. I read your word, God. We don't have time. But you find time for the devil all the time. God says, Lovest thou me more than these, Peter? Well, God, you know I love you. He said, Do I really? Three times you said you didn't know me. And I want to know. Let's stand. Jesus died from a broken heart. You know what? I've seen people who lost their love for God and they just dried right up. It's not that he's unfaithful. They are unthankful. They are unthankful. The church is like a bride. Marrying to Jesus, the bridegroom. Hallelujah. And the only way he could get rid of Israel was to die on the cross. When he died on the cross, guess what he did? He came back to life and was free to marry to whosoever he will. And he married us. And Paul says, you are married as a chaste virgin. A virgin is somebody who separated herself like Mary and says, I know not a what? A man. I'm going to tell you today, Jesus died from broken heart. Rejection. The greatest pain you'll ever feel in your lifetime is not toothache, not a knee ache or backache, but if somebody that you love dearly breaks your heart. It's, you cannot mend it. You can't buy aspirin. You can't buy a pill to fix it. It's hard. It's hard to continue. Broken heart. Just to know, rejected.